It is Tim O'Keefe, the TKO with T-O-K. You can follow him at T... What is it? T. O'Keefe? Yeah, T. O'Keefe, 1992. And, uh, Tim, it, it feels like you're you're one of those that if I do end up going 2-0, you're never going to let me hear the end of this until I do get a tattoo. John, if you, if you make a, dealing, a deal with the gambling gods, you I have see- to follow through. <laughs> I didn't I, make a I deal. Am- it, was, it was a joke. It was making fun of myself. You see, but John, but the, the gods took it seriously. And you're going to go two and zero tonight, I and know. then just for your own betting sanctity in the future, I'm scared you'll never win another game again until you get this tattoo. So <laughs> I'm doing this for you. I will be forever cursed with gambling because I uh, I made a bet with the gambling gods, and they are going to strike down on me if I don't make good on well our bet that we made uh, together. So I, man, I thought I was just telling a good joke, and like it was funny and. There are people like, you know, I, Micah Raziel, good friend of the program, windailysports.com. He put the emoji of, like, I'm writing notes or taking notes, like, putting this down. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. And so many more people like that than I thought. I'm just hoping now it flies under the radar. Uh, and, of course, I'm saying it out loud over the airways on the radio show on The Gambler, presented yeah. by Cure Auto Insurance. Uh, but, yeah, I was just hoping that it would fly under the way, radar, and uh, we'll see if that ends up happening. Uh, I, I know this for sure, Tim. One team that has not flown under the radar coming into the season, throughout the season, and into this game is Gonzaga. Like, how good? Okay, so we know they're good. Like, are we now talking all-time good team with Gonzaga? Like, this is this is dominant. They're up 20 right now with 18 minutes left in the second half. They're up 54 to 34. And this is a team that was thought that, to have a mismatch. Like, Mobley brothers, both Evan and Isaiah, were both thought to be too much to handle down low for Gonzaga. And it's not been a problem at all. Like, how good are, are we talking about this Gonzaga team? I mean, we can just look back at the history books, and no one's done what they might be doing since the 1970s, and that's the complete undefeated regular season tournament champions. Now, look, they still got, if, assuming they hold on tonight, like they're up 22 from what I can see. They have see a long road right still, now. right. They still have two, yeah. two more games left after this one. Exactly. So to talk all-time good, you, I think you've got to take home that title at the end and cut down the nets. But realistically, if they do it, they are all-time good because there's just not any other teams that have done this in recent memory. I think there's those guys on there that you get that special feeling about. Jalen Suggs to me is – I was listening to the stats, and it just amazed me every time, where he was the player of the year in football and basketball in Minnesota in the same year. And the guy – there's just something about that guy where you see him and you get that vibe similar. And now this is – I'm about to say a name that's unfair to this kid completely. But, like, it was the same vibe I got when I was watching Steph Curry at Davidson. Not like he's the same type of player. Like, Curry's a much better shooter, but less that – you know, Curry is an insane ball it. handler, by the way, and I don't think anybody gives him enough credit for that. He is insane. He was in Davidson, too. Absolutely, 100% agree. Just, you just get that vibe, but the guy's a winner. I, I, like, I know he's going to go top 10, probably top 5. He's the guy that I'm just getting vibes that this, there's no way I don't see this kid having success at the next, next level. Like He is going to succeed wherever he goes, uh, and it's exciting to watch. And yeah, you know what? They are making their, making their case to be in the history books as one of the best of all time if they can finish this out. And like you said, they got, after this, assuming they hold on, two more tough games. But, hey, we're going to see what happens. It's exciting to watch.
Now, were you surprised? I hate to say surprised because I guess we aren't surprised with Gonzaga anymore, right? But it, it was thought to be the first mismatch and a really tough matchup for Gonzaga, and it just hasn't been. Uh, have you been surprised at all by that? Like, Drew Timmy was thought to be an actual concern in this game. We didn't know if he was going to be able to play well, score any points because of Evan Mobley, and he's been dominating this game. Like, has that surprised you? Uh, I wouldn't say it surprised me. Uh, I did. I was on Gonzaga minus the eight and a half, so I did think they would win. The idea that they're right now the live line is at twenty-two. Yeah, I'll say that is surprised me. Timmy stepped up and has just dominated the game. He was dominating early, and that team is just look. They're incredibly impressive. Yeah, so it's tough to say surprised. I was on them. I liked them going into tonight. I thought they were still going to be too much for USC to handle, even with the Mobley brothers. But yeah, look, it's it's just like. Sometimes when you're watching greatness, even if you expect it to come, you're still a little bit in awe. We're talking with Tim O'Keefe. Follow him at T O'Keefe1992 on that Twitter machine. Does a lot of great stuff, uh, making picks almost daily, right, for PhillyInfluencer.com. So doing a really good job uh, for PI. Love the guys over at Philly Influencer and gals as well. Candace McLean, uh, she has she puts out all these articles of places to go in Philly, and I, I took advice of one of the articles, went to a place that had really great wings, so I got to uh, give Candace a shout-out for that one. Uh, but PhillyInfluencer.com is where you can see his picks. A lot of NBA picks, which we'll get to. But first, obviously, another Elite Eight matchup tonight. We have Michigan-UCLA. Yesterday, I was on both of the dogs. And I got lucky to, to get one of them. And, of course, didn't come close on the other one. But I was on both of the favorites tonight. Gonzaga looks like they're going to cover. Absolutely dominating still at the start of this second half. And I have Michigan at 6.5. It's now up to 7. Has this line, like, is there anything with the line, especially at seven, that makes you stay away from the game, or is it something that you love either way between either UCLA or Michigan? Sure. So, John, on the spread, I am I have a slight lean towards Michigan. Now, I, they have just been dominant. That Florida State game was very impressive to me. I love the way they looked. They came out and dominated in a game where I thought Florida State was going to really compete. I had Michigan winning, but I thought that was going to be a lot closer, and Michigan just really handled them. Uh, the only uh, the caveat I'll bring up is I think I remember like it was probably two maybe two weeks ago at this point uh, you and I were talking right as a team from Michigan was about to play UCLA and we were both on them and then that went the other way so I don't want to say I love Michigan because UCLA has been impressive still overall in the tournament I know that Alabama when they got a little lucky down the stretch with Herb Jones missing those free throws I I, I would lean Michigan the thing I love about this game I'm all on the over here so the total right now is sitting at Throughout the tournament, UCLA has been averaging 78.5 points. Granted, call out there, two, two of the games went to overtime. So let's even let's just bring it down to our minds. Let's say it's 68, and I'll take it down 10, which it really wouldn't happen if we did that in this regulation. And Michigan has, in, has averaged 81 points all those games in regulation. These teams are averaging well over this 136 number. It's surprisingly low to me. I'm wondering if it's that the, lot, the books are reacting to so many unders hitting that they're setting this lower to try to bid people up to get the over. I'm not afraid to take the over there. That's my favorite play in that late game. I like the over 136. Ooh, over sounds good. Uh, I'm just taking Michigan here. I think we've seen a little bit of of that trend lately, and even Houston to a certain extent. I mean, dominated that game against Oregon State just the final few minutes, which I would expect from a Houston team, especially in the second half of a game. Uh, they're not that efficient scoring, so I expected them to not pull away that that far in that matchup, and they didn't. But it's been a lot of the favorites. I mean, is that now that we know kind of what's happening, do you take any of that trend and what's happening so far in the Elite Eight and apply it here to Michigan-UCLA? Or are we going to give UCLA a little bit more credit? So 
that's it's a great question, and I, I do generally try to look at each matchup individually because I look. I it's very tempting to say, hey, the whole tournament's been the whole tournament's had a lot of unders, and you were right early on it was dogs, and now it's becoming favorites. And you can apply that trend. I think it's a little dangerous. I try to look at the teams individually and how they've been performing. And a lot of times when you do that, if that trend overall has been going that broadly across, then you'll still end up finding that when you look at each individual team. Uh, One thing I will say, though, if I jump forward to this weekend, when I'm looking at that Houston and Baylor matchup, I think one thing there is, like as we get there, and if this favorite streak does keep up, I really like Baylor to cover that opening number right now at five. I do too. John, I'm going to... I want to rattle off a couple of numbers for you, and I want you to tell me what they are. <laughs> so they, they are 15, 10, 11, and 12. What, what are those numbers? What do they mean? 15, 10, 11, and 12. So this has something to do with Baylor and Houston. Yes, um, sir. It, has, it, it is related. Who? Turnovers? It is not turnovers. Those are the seeds in order that Houston. Uh, has oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, pro- I probably should have been able to guess that. Oh uh, yeah, they haven't played anybody. Yeah, exactly. And that was my concern with Houston coming into this tournament. Honestly, I, I, I they barely beat Memphis a couple times in the AAC. Which, like, congrats to Memphis. They won the NIT, and I think they're a decent team. But they're not the top. They class, won the NIT. I didn't. I did Memphis. not know the NIT wrapped up at all. So uh, good for Memphis. I didn't know that. Yes, sir. Yeah, good for Penny Hardaway down there. He's building something up, and he said it's a, he did say it's the start of uh, something big coming in next year. So hey, we'll watch them next year. But I am, I really think Houston's just going to be in for a wake up call when they run into Baylor here. I, I am expecting that's my favorite play of the weekend already. Honestly, no matter what the, the next matchup is, I love that Baylor game coming in at minus five. Yeah, it just doesn't seem uh, like offensively. Again, Houston plays great defense, and that's the reason why they're right now in the Final Four. But they are eventually going to have to put up points. They didn't need to against Rutgers, didn't need to against Syracuse. They're going to need to yeah. against, they didn't even need to against Oregon State. They'll, they'll need to put up points against Baylor, and I, I just don't think they have the capability of doing that. Completely agree. And also, going back to that Rutgers game, I, I don't even think Houston should be there. Rutgers completely choked that one away. Like Houston got away from that, and this Baylor team is obviously on a completely another planet compared to where what Rutgers is. Yeah, they really are. A completely different planet. Now, want to move to the NBA with Tim O'Keefe. You can follow him at T.O'Keefe1992 on the Twitter machine. Joining me, have a Dr. Glatt regrow your hairline uh, on the line change. Fox Sports, the gambler, presented by Cure Auto Insurance. Uh, right now, we have the Hornets taking on the Warriors. 83-77 to ball game. Two minutes left in the third quarter there. Other than that, it's kind of an ugly slate. Like, we have the Clippers and Magic. That's an 11-point game. The Clippers are the favorite. And the Suns is a six-point favorite against the Hawks. But the game, of course, that we're going to be looking at is the Sixers and Nuggets. Uh, are you surprised to see the line this short? Or is this, I think, more of a testament to just how well the Sixers have been playing, even without Embiid? I, I think it's exactly what you just said there. This team, and surprisingly and very welcome surprise, has figured out win without Embiid on this road trip. I think even a couple weeks ago, or even a month ago, we looked back, and we saw this road trip on the calendar, and we were a little personally, I was like, hey, that's going to be a little bit of the make-or-break stretch for the season, and that was when Embiid was still with us, and then Embiid goes down, and I'm like, man, this is going to get ugly. Now, obviously, look, we we ran into some lucky timing where the Lakers also didn't have AD and LeBron, but we're 3-1 and on this road trip right now, which is very successful. We're coming in five-point dogs, but that's not an unwinnable line. That, they're giving respect to the Sixers there, even down in bead. 
going up against the current MVP favorite in Jokic. And like you mentioned earlier, they just got Aaron Gordon. Jamal Murray is an all-star player in my mind. I don't think he made it this year, but he is a very all, he's a great player to watch. I think he's going to be great for a couple of years. And that Aaron Gordon ad, I think, gives them another dimension. I actually really like the Nuggets as a potential future play. When we look uh, closer towards the uh, closer towards the future as we get to the playoffs, I think they're kind of built where they could stack up with some other teams now and be interesting. But, yeah, they're getting respect to this Sixers team at only plus five. I don't want to say I like the Sixers at that number, just to be clear. I, I, I have a rule. I, I refuse to bet against Philadelphia teams personally, but I am telling you I don't like the Sixers tonight. That, that's, as, that's as loose as I will keep it. Yeah, that's uh, fair. I think very fair. Yeah. Especially with sometimes yeah. how the Nuggets play, they're not always uh, very consistent. But uh, you did mention their futures play, so I'll ask you this. How does Aaron Gordon fit there? Like, what does Aaron Gordon add to them? Or uh, what does he change for their lineup and for this team that is for the better? Because it seems like you're you're pretty much on their futures. Sure. So I think the one kind of question with the Nuggets was when you get to playoff time is they they don't have a ton of athleticism generally, right? Like Jokic is, and I love watching this guy, by the way, but he is not the most athletic player in the NBA by whatsoever. I think he's the least athletic superstar, if I'm being honest. He's kind of the, he's kind of got the vibe of the guy who shows up at the Y on the weekends that just he's there every weekend and is going to dominate, but he just knows how to pass the ball around. He knows what to do there. And he's there's not a ton of athleticism on that team because of the way they run it through him. Aaron Gordon is one of the most athletic players in the NBA. We remember him in the dunk contest going back, and he can do incredible stuff. He's fast, he's strong, and he can really jump. And he brings an extra dimension to that team that I don't think they had for that like, kind of just physical aggressiveness, bull-in-a-china-shot player that they didn't have before that. And I think that's useful. I really do. I think that team. Yeah, and it seemed to work real well. Do you think Jokic and Gordon are a good pairing? Because Jokic obviously can find any slasher, anybody making his way to the basket because he's such a good passer. And that seems to be a, a great fit with Gordon because Gordon was six for nine from the field, one of four from downtown. One of, yeah, one of four from downtown. But it, it was more of when he was slashing towards the basket, working the baseline, Jokic was able to find him a few times. And that's where it seems like it can get really dangerous with Jokic and Gordon as a pairing. I completely agree. The best, the strongest part about Jokic's game is he's arguably the best big passing big man we've seen in 20 plus years. Uh, he really is great at finding players. He knows what to do with the ball. He's the he's a point center. That's really what he is. He is an incredible. Uh, he runs an incredible dynamic with that half court offense for the Nuggets. And yes, Gordon is that perfect fit. Right? That speed coming across the baseline and get the dunks. I'll be honest. I didn't get to catch their first game. I looked at the box score. I am excited to check them out tonight and see exactly what you're talking about. As I missed that first one, but yeah, they that extra athleticism where Yoke find Gordon cutting and just pinpoint accuracy that passes he's getting to the hoop. It, it really could work for them. Obviously, the Sixers fan. I'm hoping they didn't figure it quite figure it all out by tonight. <laughs> but yeah, going forward, I, I that Nuggets team. It's they're obviously not going to be the favorite. You're going to get some pretty good odds on them. I'm keeping an eye on them. I don't think it's locked in that one of the LA teams or Utah are guaranteed to make the final. I think there's a couple teams in the West that are scary. So with the Sixers-Nuggets game tonight, do want to look at some player props. Ben Simmons, uh, a lot of people looking his, at his assist props because the Denver Nuggets allow the most assists to NBA teams. Uh, some people are looking at the, the rebounds and assists prop for Jokic because, well, Jokic is likely going to get plenty of rebounds with uh, Joel Embiid not in the lineup for the Sixers. Uh, so where are you going here? Any player props for tonight that catch your attention? Sure. So I feel like since Embiid's been out, the guy who stepped up for us has been Tobias. So I, I, Tobias is sitting there at 21 and a half. 
I think I can buy putting up some strong numbers tonight. And I think I like the over on him. It's currently at the minus 120, so you're giving up a little bit. It's not plus money or really even even money. You're giving up a little bit there. But I like the value on that one. Besides that side, there's not a ton of other ones I was loving. I think the Jokic points at 23.5 is a very interesting number because he's averaging 27 on the season, so it's a very low number. And obviously we don't have Embiid in there to play defense. I think that number is adjusted down maybe because they're thinking Howard's going to be physical with him and beat him up a little bit inside, and that might slow him down from scoring points. So I guess my vibe on that is when I see that number at 23.5, that stands out at me that, Somebody knows something at the books, and maybe the under on Jokic stands out for me for tonight. Again, that's points. He could kill us passing-wise. Yes. Puts up yeah. maybe 15 to 20 points. But that number's jumping out at me that's so low at 23.5. Yeah, I think rebounds and assists is where a lot of people are going with Jokic. Yeah, 23.5. I saw that, too. I was like, oh, I don't know. That seems a, a lot low for uh, a guy that is going to be able to, to work in the paint because Dwight Howard's been serviceable. Uh, but, obviously, no Joel Embiid means that there is a bit of a void there inside for the Sixers. We're talking the NBA slate tonight with Tim O'Keefe. Follow him at T O'Keefe 1992 on that Twitter machine. Joining me right now on the Dr. Glatt Regrow Your Hairline. Uh, and anything in the other two games tonight? Now, the Suns and Hawks, somewhat interesting because Trey Young, Devin Booker, two very young, skilled scorers. But uh, the Suns are a much better team than the Hawks at this point. The Magic traded away their only all-star and good player. Player, what are are we looking at for tonight? Anything good tonight that you have, or any even player props that that catch your eye? Sure, yeah. So, like you said, it's a pretty thin slate tonight. We had four games and nothing, no really prime matchups. I mean, it would be Sixers Nuggets is your prime matchup uh, here at home. But the one that's jumping out at me is we got that Clippers and Magic game, and we just talked about the Magic sending Aaron Gordon away. You just mentioned uh, Vucevic going away as their All Star that got traded. And surprisingly, the Magic, actually, if you look over their last 10, and obviously these players were there for most of this, they're 7-3 and three against the spread. So they're playing pretty well, and actually they've covered both games since they made those trades. The odd thing here is they're 2-8 and eight straight up over that stretch. So if they're, they're keeping the games close, but they're still losing. On the other side, the Clippers, they've won 6 straight against the spread and also 8 of 10 against the spread. I think it's going to happen at some point because you can't send away three of your best players and not have just a falling off point. And I think that that might be what's happening in the magic tonight. Kawhi is Kawhi is playing tonight. He's not listed on the injury report. Paul George is questionable, but the fact that they ruled other players out that were questionable. And the fact that he's not ruled out yet makes me think he might play. I'm going to keep an eye on that as we get closer to that game. It's a big line at 11, but I think this could be a magic, the magic wheels falling off the bus here. And I think I'm ready to lay the 11 with L.A. Yeah, Orlando. I mean, they're excited, I guess, that Michael Carter-Williams is returning tonight. That's great. Uh, Good for them. Yeah, I don't think they're going to do much in this game. So, yeah, maybe laying the 11 with the Clippers. This could end up being about like a 120-125 to, you know, maybe 98-99 type game. Like, it's it's going to be, I think, a brutal bloodbath. Uh, for the Clippers against the Magic. So those are the NBA games for tonight. But, Timmy, Tim, Tim, we have opening day baseball starting on Thursday. First of all, I'm excited. I'm really 
happy we're getting baseball back. Uh, but you know what? We do have some money lines out and just some matchups, and we'll go through some of these real quick. Not anything in-depth making picks, but Braves taking on the Phillies in Philadelphia. It's actually a close line, minus 104. You can get the Phillies on the money line, Braves minus 113. But we see the matchup of Max Fried and Aaron Nola, two guys that I would say you maybe could be looking at for Cy Young in the NL this season. I know Max Free got close, had a tremendous year, was seven and zero. I know it's a sixty game season, but seven and zero still is seven and zero, and that's pretty darn good. Uh, we're gonna have a yep. really good matchup here in Philadelphia. Max Free seems like a tough matchup for the Phillies game one, though. I completely agree, John, and it's gonna be a very. I'm excited. I could the words aren't invented enough to <laughs> describe how I feel about this opening day. So I'm gonna stick with excited. I think that's the closest representation. But yeah, I am super pumped. And you're right, we got. Awesome matchup for that first game. Max Fried, Aaron Nola, absolutely two guys in the Cy Young conversation. They're, I believe they're top five or top six, both of them in the NL, for that category to potentially win that. And, look, the, the odds makers are giving the Phillies respect here at minus 104. Because the Braves, like we were talking about last week, they're the better team. They got the better lineup. And the Phillies are only very, very minor underdogs here. And you know what? I'm, ex- I'm excited to see, honestly, I'm waiting to see what this total number comes out at. Because I think the pitchers could have an early hand here. And I am interested in going for that under because I think Freed matches up well against the Phillies. Obviously, he's a lefty and he has that kind of that side motion. I think he could have success against Harper. Sadly, I think he's a good matchup against Harper. And I am expecting Nolan to actually show up and start off the season well. I'm ready for that. I am buying in on the Aaron Nola train that he could have a very good season. And I'm going to be eyeing up this number when it comes out. I think we could be seeing a seven maybe for a total. And again, I'm curious to see what the odds makers come out with. And the under might be my play there, but I am pumped to see that matchup for sure. Yeah, very pumped to see that one. Another matchup I'm pumped to see, and what I'm kind of interested in is the Mets and Nationals game. Now, this for a few reasons, because we're trying to figure out uh, how the uh, the NL East is kind of going to work its way out. And one team that people are high on is the Mets, and one... I think people are getting soured on is the Nationals, and Max Scherzer did not have a good 2020 season. Well, good by his standards, still a 3.74 ERA. That's the highest ERA he's had, though, since 2012. He has been dominant. He has been one of the best pitchers in baseball, but he wasn't that last season. So I want to ask you about both of these pitchers. We're going to first start with Scherzer. Do you think we see a bounce back from Max Scherzer this season? Uh, John, I'm not buying in on a Max Scherzer bounce back at all, at least to what we expect when we hear the name Max Scherzer. Like, obviously, Hall of Fame pitcher, been incredible, Cy Young in both leagues, which not a lot of guys can say. Uh, but he is an upper 30s pitcher, I believe, at this point. I think 36 or 37, uh, maybe even 38, honestly. I need to double-check that. But he he didn't have it all the way last year, and I'm not expecting a bounce back really overall this season. Now, if we're talking individual games, look, maybe he gets revved up for opening day and has it. But as he only pitched, I believe, about – Seven or, or sorry, eight to ten starts last year, and now we're going to ask him. Now rev back and go for thirty starts. I'm not buying in on Scherzer really uh, having great season at all. He's up in the Nate. He's up on the odds for the NL Cy Young. I'm not buying that he's going to come that close in that conversation. Yeah, I don't know if I would take him with those odds, but uh, of course, I think the favorite. I would say, yeah, I think the favorite on the board is Jacob Degrom, who is going to be his opponent on opening day. Which, again, very fun matchup because I, I know it's only the first game of the season, but early on, I think maybe we're going to see where the Mets and Nationals are at. How if the Mets are going to need to work through some things before they do end up actually getting very good? We know they have the talent, uh, but the the thing is, it is a good lineup now. They have Francisco Lindor, uh, Pete Alonso was looking pretty good in spring training. Jacob DeGrom, 
Could he get, and this was talked about, and so I, I'm interested, because if he ends up getting this, I think he wins to Cy Young. Could Jacob deGrom end up getting to over 20 wins this season? It's like, you, we all know Jacob deGrom's been incredible winning multiple Cy Youngs over the past couple of years. And you look at that win total, and I think Jacob deGrom's the perfect example of why wins as a stat do not indicate how good a pitcher is. Because you, really, you would look at his win total, and if he was isolated, he's coming up with like 11 or 12 each year, and it's just, it does not reflect how he's pitching at all. And I agree now. They finally have a lineup that might be able to support him. We'll see. I, I, if he gets to the 20 wins, I am going to be shocked if he doesn't win the Cy Young because we know Jacob DeGrom's – I think Jacob DeGrom's the best pitcher in baseball for my money. He, he's an artist out there. He can paint the corners. He can sky swing. He can get you out so many different ways. And he's – again, uh, I think I mentioned this last week. I hate the Mets more than I hate the Cowboys. They are my anti-team. It, it, there's something wrong in my stomach when I see the Mets winning. But – Jacob, Jacob DeGrom's my favorite pitcher to probably watch in all of baseball just because being a former pitcher myself, and obviously it's just, you can, uh, I can just appreciate how incredible this guy really is. He just has everything that you want in a pitcher. Velocity, movement, control, it's the full package, and he, the guy's incredible to watch, and I'm expecting him to really dominate on opening day. I do as well. Tim O'Keefe joining us on the Dr. Glatt Regurry Your Hairline right now. Follow me at T.O'Keefe1992 on Twitter. Now, last thing for you, of course, this is probably the last time I'll talk to you uh, until opening day. So, I gotta ask, who do you got? Who do you have in the World Series? Who do you have as the winner? I I need your predictions. I need to stamp it down for you. This is now official, on the line change, the official Tim O'Keefe picks for the 2021 MLB season. Oh, wow, John. Okay, so now this is, just to be clear, not, not with gambling odds. I'm just going, like, who do I really think is going to end up there? Yeah, you don't have to make and, value play. No, I just yeah. want the official picks. <laughs> Absolutely. No, no, and I fully get you, and that's why this is going to be extremely, extremely boring. Um, first off, let's start with the NL. I still think the Dodgers are the class of the NL. They had an incredible rotation last year with so much depth, and then they just you know decided to add the NL Cy Young winner in the offseason and Trevor Bauer and just give him another stud arm out there. They have a ton of offense. You got Mookie Betts. You got Cody Bellinger. You got Corey Seager, who was uh, creeping up. And honestly, if you want a little long shot for NL MVP, Seager's getting a lot of love. And I'm seeing it's a contract year for him. And he got really hot towards the end of the season last year. Obviously, World Series MVP. I, I'm struggling to see. I don't want to say struggling to see because anything can happen. I think the value play, if you may be saying, would be the Cardinals. But I think the, uh, the Dodgers have to be the favorite, and it's with good reason. That team is stacked. They they are they are the giants of of the NL right now. You know what got me scared about that though, and again because I, I think the team has the lineup for, it, and they were the best lineup I would say in baseball along with the Dodgers last season. But uh, did you see Mike Soroka pitching today? I, I I did see Mike Soroka. Hey John, I know you're a big Braves guy. I got you. And I'm not is, a big Braves guy. I'm just scared. I'm scared of them. I'm I'm legitimate. I keep talking about them. I'm I'm terrified of them. They're so good. Scary, but- let me rephrase. That was, that was a bad, bad phrase by me there. So, you, you respect the Braves. You see the value. I, and do. I, I don't want to say that I don't. They are super talented. And the best player on all the teams we've named, the best two might be on the Braves when you have Acuna and Freeman. They could. So, they got talent there. I think the Dodgers has more depth up and For down. For sure, they yeah. trust their pitching a little more. But you're right. Like, the Braves are absolutely going to be a challenger. And that's the thing. And this is the beauty of baseball. I think it's the toughest sport to honestly do this with. I really do. I think baseball... Anything can happen over the course of a whole season with injuries and just certain teams surprise you and pick it up. So am I going to be shocked if it's the Braves representing the NL? Absolutely not. So I, 
I am going with the Dodgers, but can absolutely see a few teams coming out of there. Hey, remember the last full 162-game season we had? The Nationals ended up winning the World Series. And guess what? I don't think anybody expected the Nationals to win the World Series that year. So, yeah, it is really tough to handicap MLB futures, but we're trying. We're doing our best. And, uh, yeah, I think you're right. It does end up just likely being the Dodgers coming out of the NL. Uh, Tim, though, thanks for joining me, man. I'm, I'm so glad that, look, we went over NBA and college basketball. That's great. Uh, but we're going to be talking, I mean, MLB games very soon. And breaking down a Major League Baseball slate with you is going to be a heck of a lot of fun. And I can't wait to do that. But thanks for coming on tonight. Uh, always enjoy talking with you. John, absolute pleasure, man. I can't wait for those baseball discussions either. Super pumped. And I'm going to say Yankees AL winner right now. I know we're out of time, but Yankees Ooh. AL winner. That's the pick. I love it. You know what? I'm going to I'm gonna turn his phone off and I'm going to hang up on it because that's how you end it, baby. That's how you do it. Tim O'Keefe. Follow him at T O'Keefe 1992. Yankees Dodgers in the World Series.